Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. It's a new beginning. It's a new month. It's the day of the Lord. If this is the day of the Lord, then Lord, I pray, the Lord of the day will speak to us. Help us to hear. Help us to acknowledge the paucity of our hearing if we are not able to hear, to come to you and say, Lord, unclog my ears. If I don't even hear any other voice, I need to hear you. For you alone have the words of life. Speak to me this morning. Teach me your ways. Order my footsteps. As each day passes by, let my footsteps grow firmer and firmer in the way of the Lord. My ears able to discern even the softest whisper of the Holy Spirit. The gentle impression on my spirit knowing God is here and He is speaking. For you promised, I will guide you with my eye. Teach us, speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Six months are over and the seventh month is here. Second half. We looked at voices. We looked at choices. You don't make a choice behind which there isn't a voice. The only issue is, is it the voice of God? Or is it the voice which is not of God? It's the only thing that ultimately will matter. We also looked at waiting. We also been looking at the blocks in hearing the voice of God. There are blocks. There are blocks. We need to deal with the blocks. Sometimes our ears are clogged. That's a heavenly ENT specialist. He can unclog your ears and we will see. The problem wasn't with him. The problem was with us. We looked at waiting. The most difficult thing. Alright? We think we can wait and children are. No, we are also children when it is something which we need. And suddenly the child in us comes out and we realize how difficult it is to wait. Those who have waited on the Lord have never lost. Not even time. Not even time. Those who wait on the Lord, the Bible says, one, they renew their strength. Two, they soar up like eagles. They don't Paddle like turtles. That's not what is written. It's written, they soar like eagles. What does it mean? They make up for the lost time. They take off. And they have, their strength has been given to finish what they have been waiting for. So we looked at waiting. Waiting is never. If you know, when you're waiting, it doesn't mean you're doing nothing. 
you are doing what you have been called to do, yet you are waiting for something specific. Laziness, sloth, is never encouraged in the kingdom of God. Please understand that. Young people, if you don't want to work, be scriptural, don't eat. Don't eat. Because the word of God says, if a man does, will not work, you should not eat. So don't eat. Don't work. Let's turn first to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. See the new walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Be wise. The wisdom of God teaches us how to walk, to make quality decisions. That is the wisdom of God. Be wise. Don't be unwise. It's good to be clean, but it is good to be clean and wise. Don't be a foolish virgin. Be a wise virgin. The old covenant had the letter of wisdom. New covenant, we go beyond that. Remember for years we prayed from Ephesians 1.17? What was that prayer? Give us the spirit of wisdom. There is a spirit of wisdom. This is Paul's prayer for himself and for us. For the church. This is my prayer. Pray this. We used to pray this for Sunday after Sunday for years. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. I want to know what you want me to do. I want to know. Primarily, understanding the will of God. I want to understand the will of God. The Bible says there in Ephesians 5.17, understanding the will of God. Not assuming the will of God. Not presuming the will of God. Understanding the will of God. And I told you something about the will of God. We may not understand it now. Fully. But if you obey, one day when you understand, you will see it actually was good. It was pleasant. More than that, it was perfect. That is the difference between the will of man and the will of God. It is perfect. It is perfect. And the perfection of his fulfilled will goes beyond this life. It just permeates into eternity. Forever and ever you will realize, wow, thank God, I didn't miss the will of God. I didn't realize it was so good. So don't presume. Don't assume. Understand the will of God. Because some choices, some choices outside the will of God can cost us heavily. Years and years and years. We can miss the perfect will of God in one choice. Like, let us say marriage. <laughs> boy, oh boy, be careful. Careful. Do not be yoked with an unbeliever. Do not be yoked with an unbeliever. All young people, listen carefully. You do it. 
forget the perfect will of god you will be struggling all your life don't let emotions feelings make choices for you even the big names in the bible when they did it they lost years in their life abraham made a choice it was just emotional about staying with his father about the revealed will of god how many years did he go we really do not know you go re- read the account very carefully we will never know how many years he lost because it is not told when god spoke to him first the age is not mentioned the only age that is mentioned is when he obeyed and entered 75 so if he got spoke to him at 25 it was 50 years he lost if god spoke to him at 50 it was 25 years he lost one choice one choice ramba david one choice moses one choice let's look at moses just looking at now it came to pass in those days when moses was grown that he went out to his brethren looked at their burdens and he saw an egyptian beating a hebrew one of his brethren so he looked this way and that way and when he saw no one he killed the egyptians and hid him in the sand and when he went out the second day behold two hebrew men were fighting and he said to one who did the wrong why are you striking your companion and he said who made you a prince and a judge over us do you intend to kill me as you killed the egyptian so moses feared and said surely this thing is known next thing you he is running for his life did you see the order verse 11 did you see the order now it came to pass in those days when he went there he saw to look out for his brother he's got zeal he doesn't have much wisdom because all his wisdom is the wisdom of egyptians he doesn't have god's wisdom he's extremely wise in the ways of the world because the bible says that but he does not have the wisdom of god and you know what that he saw something he saw egyptian beating a hebrew sometimes we see a event and we miss the big picture the event moves us one guy beating each another guy immediately he took his sword out miss the big picture next thing you know 40 years he's cooling his heels the back side of the desert don't get moved and do rash things it's the wisdom of the egyptians to take the sword out sword out he's thinking like an egyptian zeal without god's wisdom what are you planning honestly moses what are you planning what are you thinking Yes we know you have Egyptian wisdom we know you are a general are you thinking about a revolution a insurrection getting all these slaves into groups training them and fighting the Egyptians do you know if god had gone with moses way how many israelites would have died how long that insurrection would have gone on that was moses idea first thing he took the sword out that was what he was planning i will train them we will become an army we will fight we will get out the egyptians had soldiers they had horsemen and they had chariots these were slaves who did not know how to fight moses way would have brought us slaughter in egypt 
40 years later, God's way. One stick. Not an Israelite died. But to understand God's way, he had to wait 40 years because his mind was full of man's wisdom. So don't assume. Don't assume when you see an event, a situation, you know what to do. Ask, where does my wisdom come from? Zeal is equal, is not equal to wisdom. Don't assume. So that we have a God who speaks. God had to come and speak to Abraham before Abraham will move. God had to come in a burning bush and speak to Moses before he started understanding the ways of God. David had to have his ziklag burned down before he ceased from his own way. Because one thought, if things go on like this, one day Saul will kill me. One thought, your own reason. Before he knew, you are in the Philistine territory. Scripture says he lost 16 months. Which is not true. He lost 8 years and 4 months. He didn't lose 6. He lost 6 months, 16 months in the Philistine territory. But in Israel, he lost 7 years. Because the rest of the tribes would not accept him as king. Because they knew he was with the Philistines. One idea. Causes loss. So don't presume you understand the ways of God. Don't presume you understand this is what God wants me to do. Don't assume it. Wait Him. Get back with God. Somebody wrote in a prayer list, I want to get back with God. The new covenant is so completely different from the new old covenant. So completely different. That's what Jesus comes and says. He says, you know what? I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to send you somebody just like me. He will be with you. He will be in you forever. That is the spirit of God. That is the spirit of Jesus Christ. A real person. If you are saved, he is in you. And he speaks. He guides. He will tell you where to go, how to do. We have to learn to hear from him. There is a person. Everybody will leave you one day or other, or you will leave. It will happen. People will go. People will die. Everything. Everybody will leave. There is one person who will never leave. Now or forever. It is the Spirit of God. It is a spirit of wisdom. It's a spirit of revelation. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of sound mind. It is a spirit of God. So the simple question today, this morning is, how close do you want to be with God? Do you know that it is left to us and not left to God? It is not left to God, it is left to us. Each one of us chooses in our life how close we want to be with God. God has removed every barrier. The curtain has been rent from top to bottom. There is nothing stopping a child of God from coming to God. Absolutely.
absolutely nothing stopping. Not even sin. Because sin can be taken care of. Nothing stopping. You and I decide how close we want to get with God. Only you and I. And I'm not talking about callings. Don't get this idea about callings into your mind. That is where people go wrong. Oh, if I get close to God, that means I am called. No. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 4, 11, if I'm right. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There are only five calling, and very few are called for that. But everybody is called to be a witness of Christ. Only five callings. There is no sixth calling. Because people always have this misunderstanding. Those who are called are very close to God. No, everybody can be close to God. Everybody. There are five callings and there are giftings. Gifting also does not mean you are close to God. John the Baptist had no gifting. But he was very close to God. He didn't operate in any gift. Jesus operated in every gift. He was very close to God. Get this picture very clearly. There are only five callings. There is no calling called prayer warrior. There's nothing like that. There is no calling called worship leader. No, everybody is called to be a worshiper. Whether you can sing or not, or play an instrument or not, it's irrelevant before God. Everyone is called to offer him the sacrifice of praise. Whether you can hold a tune or not, it's irrelevant to God. You're called to be a praising and a praise and a worship leader in your own way. That's not a calling. That is a life. All are called to have an intimate relationship with God. Therefore, the cry of Jesus, come, come. All your very heavy laden, come. All who are thirsty, come. And if you look at your faces, some of your faces, you don't want to go to God. You want to get out of church and go to the nearest theater. They don't have to invite you. You invite yourself and pay for it too. Don't think of ministry. Think of relationship. Your ministry is secondary. Your relationship with God is primary. It's primary. In Acts chapter 9, 19 and 20, Paul, when he stepped out, so zealous, When he had received the food, he was strengthened. He spent some days with the disciples. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. Took off like a rocket. Go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 14 and 18. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly less zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased my God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace... To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia. 
and returned again to Damascus. Three years, he went incognito. You couldn't find Saul. God said, stop your ministry. Get into the closet with me. Yes, I have called you. You are called. You are called to be an apostle. But first, get to know me before you go out. Three years later, when he comes out, what he says is, what I give you, I did not learn from man. I heard from God. Because we can be zealous. Like Paul. Even his zeal got curtailed and pulled him in. And said, you know what? It is not ministry that is important. It is intimacy that is important. That's what Jesus is actually saying. Get to know me. Get to know me. If you looked at, if you were not so busy with Modi's security arrangements, you would have heard yesterday's Q&A. People are so busy. I don't know. So busy. So busy. Forty years God waited. God had to light a bush on fire. And Moses had to turn aside. And then God spoke. Some of you, God needs to light a fire in your life and still you won't turn aside. Then only God can speak to you. He waited 40 years to get this man's attention. And a nation's destiny is hanging on his life. Because so busy. People are so busy. They have no time for God. One word from God will change your life. One word from God. The Bible tells very clearly when God saw Moses turned aside. Aside from what? From his daily routine. What are you doing? Man, man, man. Going after sheep for 40 years. You can't get this man's attention. So he puts a bush on fire. He has seen many bush fires. But this time he says the bush is not getting burned. Let me see what is happening. Then God spoke. What will it take us to catch his attention? What will it catch us to God able to speak to us? Not to go out and to preach. But God as a father wants to speak to his children. And he has much to say to you personally. And you may never have to share it with anybody. Read the gospel according to John like we saw yesterday. From chapter 11 to chapter 17. Three and a half years of walking with Jesus. Judas is gone. And as soon as Judas is gone, the Bible, Jesus says, now the Son of Man is glorified. And do you know what he says? He opens his heart. And he speaks to them. He bears his heart. And you know what he says after that? I no longer call you servants. Now I call you friends. My question is, we all sing very casually, what a friend we have in Jesus. Really? Is God my friend? Is God your friend? He's willing to be friendly. But the question is, is he our friend? There's nothing stopping from God becoming our friend. In the twinkling of an eye, when Jesus comes or death takes place, both will be in a twinkling of an eye. If you are not saved, the only thing that matters is, do you know Jesus? 
if you are saved, the only thing you will realize in eternity what matters is how well do you know Jesus. That is when you will realize I should have used my time better. How well do I know God? In eternity, that's the only thing that will matter. How well do I know God? And that relationship starts here. Doesn't start there. It starts here. Look at a portion we looked last night. Luke 16, verse 19 to 24. Familiar portion. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple. Fine linen, fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was. The beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. In a twinkling of an eye. Go to John 1, 18 and then come back to this. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Now go back to the same story. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Before the new covenant, before Jesus overcame death, all the saints went to a place which was called paradise. The other name for that place is Abraham's bosom. First thing to notice, this is a beggar. This is a beggar. But when he died, the Bible says, angels came, not one angel. To take a soul, you need only one angel. But to take Lazarus, a scout of angels came. He's not taken to the periphery of where Abraham is. He's taken to the bosom of Abraham. What does it tell you about Lazarus' life on earth? He had an intimate relationship with God, though he was a beggar. And when he died, the only thing that mattered is, how well do you know God? There was a man who had all the time in the world. He had money, he had power, he had riches, he dressed well, he ate sumptuously. But when he died, he's so far away from Abraham. And his entire cry. You know what his cry is? For a drop of water? You can drink water in hell. What is his cry? It's a cry for relationship. One thing, that most terrible thing about hell, there is no relationship in hell with God or with man. Absolutely no relationship. You are in solitary confinement for eternity. No relationship. That's what hell is. That's why people put in solitary confinement go crazy. They go mad. You know what he's crying for? He's crying for fellowship. There is no fellowship in hell. Think these things. Dwell on these things. We have been given time. We know God. The Spirit of God lives within us. Spirit of God lives within us. 
And the question is, do we long to have a relationship with God? Last night, that's what we were discussing in the Q&A. One man, God says, his name is David. He says, this is a man after my own heart. That is a man who was after a relationship with God. Before his psalms, don't read his psalms with our carnal eyes and ears. Read the psalms from the heart of David. When David is talking about the psalms, he is not exalting a person's word. He is exalting the person and therefore his word. Your word I have hidden in my heart. You. It's all about you, Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. That's why I will not want. It's absolutely personal. All his musings are very personal. He is after a relationship with the living God, an old covenant person. He should have been born in the new covenant. I don't know how many Psalms he would have written. So the question is this. Do we long for God? Did you long for God this morning? God longs for us. Adam has sinned, Eve has sinned, but the Bible says at the regular time in the cool of the evening, Jesus came. Evening and the morning were the first day, so the Jewish system begins in the evening, not in the meaning. So at the appointed time, Jesus came. Their sin did not stop him, his longing to fellowship with him. They ran, he didn't. They hid, he did not. God doesn't run from us. God doesn't hide from us. We run from God. We hide from God. He came looking for them. And God has never changed. To Israel, he says, all day long, I stood with my arms outstretched. But who has believed our report? So can we just sit down? Spiritually sit down. Put all the other thoughts away from your mind. Wandering minds, still bodies, but wandering minds. Thoughts that are fluttering around. Can we focus? Can we focus? Like Mary, sit at Jesus' feet. One thing he said will not be taken away from Mary. The fact she knows how to sit at my Let's turn to John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. We went to 16? No, John 6. Where did we go to John 16, 24? Okay. No. John 6, 5 and 6. I didn't give it to you. Yes. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Understand this. God will test us. He already knows what he is going to do, but he will test us. He will test us. Some people were tested to go to church or not. You passed the test and you came. See, people never ask these questions when it is connected to office, 
movies, should I go or should I not? When it comes to church, people have many curies. Should I go or should I not go? Should I read my Bible? Should I praise God today? Should I worship? So many questions. Jesus asked them a question. To test. So remember, God asks questions to test even though he knows what he's going to do. So remember this always. God knows what he's going to do. Month of July, August, September, October, November, December. He knows what he's going to do. The question is, some of the questions he asks are tests. Familiar passage. Responses. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon's Peter brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? Wrong question. What you should have said, five loaves, two fish, what do you want to do with this? I will stand back and watch for the miracle. They already seen. Problem is, it doesn't matter how many you see. The question is, do you believe? June is over. He took care of still June. But July is another month. Do you believe the God of June? Do you believe? Wrong questions. Martha, Martha. Can you imagine Martha had sat down with Mary and was listening and when Jesus finished, she suddenly says, Oh, I forgot. We need to feed all these people. All there is is one loaf of bread and little chicken curry. Jesus would have said, give it to me. She would have experienced a miracle in her house. All the issues we face is because we don't give time to God. There are people sitting in church and sleeping. It's not because they are lazy, because they work hard. Do you know why they work hard and they don't have time for God? You will keep working harder and harder and harder and harder. Unless the Lord builds. You labor in vain. You will wake up early in the morning, late. These fundamental principles will never change for any man. You don't make time for God. I promise you, you will never have time for anything in life. That's the way time has been ordered by God. You will never have enough time for anything. But you learn to make time for God. You will always see there is time for everything. Because God will renew your strength. And God will add speed to your actions. He will give you wisdom. He will give you revelation. He will give you what you call cutting edge technology. He will give it to you. But you don't make time for God. You will realize life will never change. If God is not first, God is not there at all. That's the way he operates. Don't change these fundamentals. If the first six months you didn't learn this, at least the seven months, make this. Make this decision. Make this decision. Because God will test us to see what is our response. We are very economically minded. Management people we are. We came from Indian school of business. One is saying 200 denarii won't be enough. Another is saying five loaves, two fish. In economics, one looks at the demand. The other looks at the supply. The demand is so much. Supply is too little. What can we do? That's how we always look. We forget the third factor. 
The third factor is God. Third factor never comes into our mind. The third factor is there is somebody who is in me, who is with me, for whom nothing is impossible. Can I put this issue into his hands? Can I turn this problem over to him? Can I please pass my life into his hands? Can I just do that? Look at Matthew 14 and verse 18, what Jesus says. He said, bring them here to me. Bring the, what little you have. He says, give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to me. It is not what you have that matters. It is in whose hands you place that matters. If you give me a cricket bat, I'll probably use it to kill a rat that gets into my house. You give it to Sachin's hands, it changes. It is not the bat that matters. It is the person who holds the bat that matters. In your hands, it looks too little. Cannot even feed a man because it is the lunch of a boy, a little child. But Jesus says, would you give it to me? Would you give it to me? Would you give it to me? That's what he's asking Moses. What is in your hand? Because he has got nothing that is his own. Everything belongs to his wife. So he does not ask, what do you wear? What are you wearing? What is in your pocket? Nothing. He says, what is in your hand? Because God knows there's one thing which is his, which is one stick, which is not Zipporah's. He says, this stick? Because that's enough. What did you do with this stick? Uh, I took care of my father-in-law's sheep. He says, put it before me. Put that stick before me. And take it up. Once he takes up, the stick has changed. It is called now the rod of God. <clears throat> All that God needs is that one stick to bring Israel out of Egypt. All those 40 years, while he carried this stick and heard the bleed, he never thought what this stick would do. Because he never knew what God could do with a stick. Did you see that? Ehud was a left-handed man with a small little sword. Left-handed is already disqualified. Not a right-handed man, left-handed man. Those days, left-hand means you don't have flexibility with the hand that is strong. A small sword. You know, a left-handed man with a small sword brought victory for Israel. Do you know what is written? Israel had rest for 80 years. Not two years, not 20 years, not 40 years, 80 years. Because one man took his left hand and said, Lord, here it is. Use me. Shamgar was just not even a shepherd. He had an ox goat. And the Bible says, with that ox goat, he delivered Israel. Jael just had a hammer and a ten peg and she delivered Israel. What Barak couldn't do, she did. Samson had just 300 men. Empty pitchers, 
and torches. He delivered Israel. It is not what you have. It is whom you believe. Whom you trust. Into whose hands you place what you have. Everybody is trying to do things for God in their own strength and they are going nowhere. Even if it is your own career. Let me tell you one thing. You do anything in this world. In your own strength. I can find hundred others who are better than you. Any skill. They are good. They are too good. What makes us a difference? It is God. It is God who makes the difference. And God makes a difference. They have no answer to God. But God is looking for people who will hand over their lives what little they have into God's hands. And that's what God is asking us this morning. Give it to me. Give it to me. When Jesus began his ministry on planet earth, do you know what he began with? Six empty stone jars. That's what he began with. Six empty stone jars. He began his ministry. And the Bible says his disciples put their faith in him at the end of the day. Let's see what he began with. He looks around and says, Dad, there are only six Empty jars. That's it. That's enough. Ask them to fill it with water. That two stone jars. That two jars that was kept to collect water to wash the feet of people. That's all he needed. Matthew 14 and verse 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. If you think it is an exception, Go to Matthew 15 and verse 34 and 35. 15, 34 and 35. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And verse 35. And Jesus said to them, so he commanded the multitude to sit down. Every case he tells them to sit down. And you read the narrative where carefully only those who sat down were fed. That's why he told Martha, one thing will not be taken from Mary. If you learn to sit down, God can feed you. God doesn't feed anxious, worrying people who are pacing day and night. What should I do? God says, sit down. You want me to feed you? Sit down. Sit down. Learn to sit down. Learn to wait on God. Learn, learn, learn to sit down. Can we sit down? If only Martha had sat down, it would have been a different story. Exodus 12 and 41. It came to pass at the end of 430 years on the very same day. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went down from the land of Egypt. After how many years? To deliver Israel out of bondage of 430. It took God only one day. But it took God 40 days to make that man who lead them down to sit down. 
the entire work was just one day one day they were out but to do one day's work he needed a man who would learn to sit down it is not the work that is difficult it is getting people to get to be with god to pray to stand in his presence to wait in his presence that is so difficult we saw on friday how many days did nehemiah build the wall how many days how many days did he pray 120 days for months he was praying to hear the word of god and once he heard that the wall was built in 40 52 days so the waiting period was what was difficult not the building it's not the building that is difficult the difficult there were so many problems when he went for the construction project but because he was a man who learned to wait on the lord at every point he heard and he had favor and it was done it was done these principles do not change it doesn't change for us it didn't change for jesus when he came down to planet earth it never changed when he came down to planet earth he waited 30 years he waited for his father's will he waited for his father to move he didn't jump and do anything he didn't do anything and this moses now that he understands it was not as difficult as i thought actually it was so too easy when he brings the children of israel into the wilderness what is his prayer his prayer is lord show me thy ways show me thy ways these are your people these are your people not my people these are your people so this is your problem not my problem if you think these are your children they are not your children these are his children so your children are not your problem these are his problems so teach me lord how to take them from point a to point b teach me not dr spock not psychology there is somebody who will tell you because they are his do you know what god said you're going to have trouble with this children but i promise you one thing my presence will go with you i will give you rest i will give you rest this was a man who learned to know god you have to learn to know god god knew this man and this man knew god it didn't come easily he spent time with god In numbers 12 there is an issue where 6 to 8 <clears throat> siblings rose up and this is what god comes and his personal testimony about him if there is a prophet among you i the lord make myself known to him in a vision i speak to him in a dream meaning there are people god uses using gifts of the holy spirit these are gifts a dream is a gift vision is a dream god can use gifts and there are gifted people not so with my servant moses he is faithful in all my house what do i do i speak with him face to face so i speak to him face to face what is he talking about what does that term mean the moses never saw his face god says i speak face to face what does it means he says there is an intimacy between the two of us is an intimacy between the two of us he's very close to me 
possible in the Old Testament? How much more possible in the New Testament? You don't have to be called for a task like Moses. You don't even have to be ever known by the world. But does not mean you cannot have a close relationship with God. When Moses died, it's God who took him off the mountain. When somebody in the church dies, I bury them. Does that mean I dug the grave? No. But it always says, who buried? They will say, pastor buried. So it is written, God buried Moses. Angel Michael dug the grave. It's written? Written? Michael, the archangel over Israel, came personally because Satan was contending with the body. God is overseeing the funeral service. Michael Angel is in charge of the body. Why? This man is my friend. This man is my friend. You tell me in human history who has been buried by God but Moses. We have to learn to think on these things. Don't be an Aaron and a Miriam or a Korah, Datan or Abiram. Two cases. Numbers 12, 1 and 2. Numbers 16, 1 to 3. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Go to number 16. Korah, the son of Izar, son of Kohath, the son of Levi, Datan, Abiram, the sons of Eliab, on the, and on the son of Pelet, sons of Reuben, took men. How many? 250. They rose up against Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. And what did they come? They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said, you take too much upon yourself for all the congregation is holy. Every one of them holy and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? What is common between Aaron and Miriam in the first case and the others in the second case? They are all assuming a relationship with God. Don't assume and presume a relationship with God which you don't have. All the congregation of Israel is holy, but Moses is more than holy. Don't assume. Because you can actually have a relationship with God. You don't have to assume. You don't have to presume. You can actually have a relationship with God. You don't have to presume any of those things because here is God wanting and willing to have a relationship with his children. So when they tell him, Ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. He's not talking about prayer first. He's talking about a relationship first. That must have blown their minds away. He said, this is how you need to pray. Our Father. You will not see that in the Old Testament. Almighty God, heavenly, nothing. All, they wouldn't even utter his name. And here he's making it very personal. He says, you know what? You can call him Abba, my Father. And through this Sermon on the Mount, you go and read how many times he uses the term, your father. 
the sparrows in the world, the lilies, the pagans, but your father, your father, your father, what is he harping on? He's harping on a relationship. He says, that's the reason I came. There are two blocks. One is a block of sin. I've come to take care of it. Second thing, now that I've taken care of it, I have come so that you can go to the Father. I am not the destination. I am the way. I have come as the eldest son to get all his children to have a personal relationship with the Father. Mr. Father doesn't relate with all the children the same way. He relates according to their age, but he has a relationship. He longs to have a relationship with everyone. And that's what God is talking about. And when we miss the most important part of our life on earth, building on a relationship with God, we are assuming when we enter into eternity, don't assume. Don't assume. You can be very sure on earth. Right now, while living on earth, you can be very sure about a relationship with your father. So every day, sit down. Learn to sit down. Learn. Because you know what? What we are talking about is intimacy. What we are talking about is a relationship. And for relationship, the most important thing is the word with four letters. T-I-M-E. Relationships are built on and over time. That's what God has given us. When God says days are evil, he will say that days will steal your time. Be wise. When the midnight hour, the cry came, the bridegroom is here. The only thing that mattered was whether they had oil in their lamps, not whether they had lamps. They all had lamps. That is the word of God. But only five had lamps, a personal relation to the, the Lord of the word. Everybody had the word. Five realized the voice is missing. The voice is missing. On that day, the only thing that mattered is, do you have a personal, vibrant, intimate relationship with your father? It's the only thing that matters. And he's willing to have that relationship. And don't take it for granted. A lawyer comes and asks Jesus, Harry, a lawyer comes and asks, that's why I tell you people, bring your books and write down. Look at older people writing down. Why do young people who are actually in school and college who write, won't write in church? I never understand you kids. How many times do you have to tell it? Write it down because it causes you to focus. That's the main reason. It causes you to focus. Because if you are focused, it does not matter whether you write or not. But you struggle with listening, then you need tools to focus you. And writing is a tool. Don't assume things in life, especially with God and with man. When a lawyer comes and asks Jesus, Lord, what is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus just says, the whole law and the prophets hang on two hinges. It's a door on two hinges. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And second, he says, it's very close to the first one. It's almost exactly like the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what is Jesus talking about life? He's talking about life. It's about relationships. 
it is about relationships please understand this don't assume any relationship it takes time to build secure relationships eating from that tree what it broke was relationship with god man with god man both relationship have broken what happened in the garden of eden was a breakdown of relationships both with god and with man so don't assume your marriage for granted marriage has been short circuited right from the garden of eden do you know what genesis chapter 3 and verse 16 says this is what to the woman he said i will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you you know what he's telling as a wife and as a mother your relationships are going to be short circuited your children will give you sorrow and you will always try to control your husband and instead he will control you that's what marriages are it's a fight for power it's about control no once people get control they don't let go of easily it's not about intimacy it's not about relationship it's all about control this is between a man and a woman go to the next chapter man and man chapter 4 verse 8 what happened to human relationship cain talked with abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that cain rose up against abel his brother and killed him talk walk and kill this is man and man the other is man and woman every human relationship has been short circuited by man by the fall because he does not have a relationship with god he does not have a relationship with man either his wife his home or his brother don't take it for granted it takes time to build a relationship with god it takes time to build a relationship with one another because life is all about relationships in ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 and 32 this is how paul through revelation from the spirit puts it for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife they two shall become flesh this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church he's saying what's happening in the home is what happens in the church god is looking for intimate relationships he's looking for oneness and if that is not achieved it doesn't matter how great the pulpit is the pulpit has failed it doesn't matter how successful your children are the home has failed this is the primary intention don't take it for granted either your home or your relationship with god don't take it for granted either loving god loving man it takes time it takes priorities putting god first and man first because your entire work 
is focused on God and man. What are you working for? What is the purpose of your work? It is related to God and it is related to man. Otherwise, you will make work the idol of your worship. Let us get to man first. This is a warning. Case study of God's own special man. Godly man. The Lord's anointed. The giant slayer. The sweet psalmist of Israel. What is his name? David. Right? And then there's a lady called Bathsheba. Uriah's wife. Uriah is no ordinary man. By now we know. He's a godly man. He's a righteous man. So Bathsheba, Uriah is not a dumbo to marry a loose woman. She's a godly woman. Not only that, she is Ahitophel's granddaughter. About a man whom David testifies when he speaks. It is like the counsel of the Spirit of God. She's not an ordinary woman. She's not an ordinary woman. He's not an ordinary man. So the simple question is, how did that godly man and how did that godly woman fall? Man who knew God. Man whom God loved. A man about whom God is, this is a man after my own heart. And how does Uriah's wife and Ahithophel's granddaughter with such powerful influences in her life, how does she fall? Ask this question. Man is man. Woman is woman. They are not the same. Man, the way God made it. I'm using a psychological term. It's a Christian psychological term. Man has what is called impulsive desire. Woman has what is called selective desire. It's not the same. Man is a creature of his eyes. He sees something, his desire can come up, but five minutes later, if that thing is not there, he will forget it. Women are not like that. So David saw Bathsheba. She was naked. Immediately impulsive desire. Who is she? Get her. If he had walked away, it would have gone. It have lasted. It would have been forgotten. Understand this. David's house is very close to Bethsabah's house. That's why she is able to see her. Bethsabah is another person. So Bethsabah's house is very close to David's house. David must have had many palaces. This must be one of the palaces where he stayed to run away from all his wives. Let's be brutal and practical. Okay. So her house is very close to his house because he's able to see. So she must have seen David. She has seen him many times. Uriah is a career soldier. He's a good man, strong man, but he's away for long times. Women long for something which is called non-sexual affection. Men are not like that. Women long for non-sexual affection. 
when uriah comes from the war called he doesn't go home you don't need to go home to your wife to have sex you can go home to talk to her he doesn't go betcheva is used to long absence of a husband there's no affection there you know what happens when godly women think they compare i wish my husband was more like david i wish because i've heard so much about david he's so kind to his servants he's so kind to people he talks he's so gentle he's so compassionate i wish i wish i wish so godly women get this one thought in their mind i will never fall but if i fall it will be a man like david so when david calls her there is no resistance don't assume your relationships this build over time it takes time it takes effort mighty men have fallen because they did not build on relationships build your relationship with god build your relationship with man don't assume it takes time for both it takes time the kingdom of god is built on relationships built on relationships people assume so many things suddenly the wife has packed up where are you going i am leaving you are leaving what happened precisely nothing happened that's why i'm leaving i've been waiting for 20 years for something to happen i'm just leaving because you assumed you presumed philistines have surrounded you you are at the back against the wall you are calling out lord help me lord help me you know who i am these are your people absolute silence in heaven because you assumed after ignoring god all these days and years and weeks now your back is against the wall you assumed when you call he will answer while he was waiting for you all these days and your closet was empty while he was waiting don't assume your relationship with god or with your spouse don't assume because we assume things we assume are you assuming because it takes time to build relationships you know what david says one day in your courts is worth how many thousands also let me tell all the men who work here you need to go to work at 9 o'clock tomorrow i'm just 9 o'clock tomorrow you don't set your alarm you sleep the wife is panicking she comes and shakes you honey honey you are not going to work work no why is it a holiday no then i decided to spend the day with you have you ever done that 
Why? Sometimes you would be surprising. Honey, please go. I have made other plans. <laughs> As parents, have you ever done? I have done. When they were small. You don't wake up the children. Oh, it's 8 o'clock. Auto is gone. You're not going to school today. Why? Because I want you. You're just chilling today. What will we do? We will eat, watch a kosher movie, we'll play in the evening, tomorrow you go to school. Would you do that? Let's go from man to God. I'm not going to work. I'm not going anywhere. I'm shutting myself with God. Would you do it? Think. Think on these things, Paul says. Think on these things. Because when you go to heaven, if you have no friends, what a boring place. Hi. 40 years on earth, you never said hi. Now in heaven, hi, 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 hi. Now there, nobody has time for you. Are we getting it? Think on these things. Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learner that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Why? Because he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear. The question is, do you listen? When you get into your prayer closet, do you listen to God or are you talking all the time? Do you listen? The first thing God taught his son is to listen and not to speak. That's why we have the old English adage which says children should be seen and not heard. Children come, today's children, they only want to talk. They don't want to listen because they have Google knowledge. Do you listen? Because we're talking about relationships, we're talking about intimacy. Do you listen? Every man in the Bible whose life was drastically changed and nations were changed because he heard, not because he spoke, he heard. They heard. Noah's family would not have been saved if Noah had not heard. Noah heard. God spoke to Noah. God spoke to Abraham. Isaac would have gone the same way as his father to Egypt when God spoke and said, don't go. They heard. Do we listen? Gift is one thing. Presence is another thing. Are you operating on a gift? Or are you operating because you heard? When God saw Moses turned aside, he spoke. Moses' life would never be the same again. 
he had heard the voice of god he would never be the same again second corinthians 37 37 i think today my handwriting was bad <laughs> sorry dr richard i doc- wrote like a doctor today if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of israel could not look steadily at the face of moses what is god simply saying till show on your faces if you have come out from the presence of god your face doesn't have to glow but you will have peace you cannot meet god and heard him and come out of your prayer closet all anxious what to do no it will never happen if you have heard him it will show it will show the question is do you listen have you learned to listen whatever have you learned to listen have you learned to listen to your husband non verbal communication do you listen to your body God has made our body in such ways it speaks to us before the sickness comes. Are you listening? Are you ignoring it? Your bikes fall apart because you don't listen to your bike. If you listen to your bike you will know it's time for servicing. Just today go never listen to the car, never listens. look at my driver he takes one car immediately will say there is a problem with it he will stop in the middle of the road he will do the side stop get out and check where did that one little sound come from because he's listening to the vehicle and he knows if the sound is not dealt with now tomorrow it will cost 10 times more if you listen to your body now your bill will be much less later listen bow all listen to god listen listen it's a part of communication it's a part of intimacy part of intimacy part of communication is listen are you listen listening comes this way not this way top down top down doesn't come the other way listening comes top down when moses comes from the presence of god they don't need to talk he they have to listen to him because he's already heard from god what more can you add to it when you go to your doctor tell your symptoms and shut up let the doctor talk you don't tell him how to diagnose you when you go to a lawyer and you have explained your problem shut up and listen he will tell you how he will argue the case you don't tell him i am hiring you but i will tell you how to argue my case because i don't have a black coat go by one you need to listen learn to listen and whom to listen to because if we listened better our relationships would be stronger it takes time and after listening talk about all with god be brutally honest with him he's one person you can be absolutely brutally honest and he will never surprise you 
never surprise him. Tell him, only him. Certain things can be only told him. Lord, can I call my husband Nabal? Will you drop that? Tell him. And he will say, no honey, he will not drop dead, but I put him there to refine you. With God, you can bear your heart. Tell him as it is. You're not going to surprise. He knows your thoughts before you think anyway, so better let it out. Went. You can talk. Anything and everything of your struggles to him. Everything. You need to learn to God into your prayer closet and learn to vent and come out peaceful. You will know he has heard you. He may not give you the answer you are looking for, but he will hear you out. You don't have to be afraid or ashamed of talking to God. Never have to be afraid. Oh, if I tell this, will I lose my relationship with you? He said, honey, I already know it and I have come to restore you. Don't be afraid. You don't break this relationship with me. I have loved you with an everlasting love. With man, it may not work. With God, it works. Lord, it is so shameful. I cannot. He says, I already know. Utter it. I'll take rid of that spirit of shame over you. I know. I saw it. I'm omniscient. I was there. You are ashamed. I'm ashamed for you. But I want to take that shame off. Talk. Talk. That is who Jesus is. Told you over and over about the Samaritan woman. Sent all the disciples away. Meets her face to face alone. And why does she go to the town? She's lost two things. One, she's not afraid. The Bible says she ran to the men of the town. Now she's not afraid of anybody too. She's not ashamed of her past because she said he knew, he told everything that I have done and didn't reject me. Therefore she's been freed from the bondage of fear and shame which has been following mankind from the day Adam and Eve fell. What is the first response of Adam? I was afraid. And I was ashamed. So I covered myself. God says, you don't have to be afraid. You tell me what you're going through, what you have done. And you don't have to be ashamed too. I may spank you a little, but you don't have to be afraid. Don't have to be afraid. Learn to talk. Don't assume a relationship. Don't presume a relationship. Learn to listen. Learn to talk. Sit down. Learn to sit down with God. Deal with those issues before it becomes cancerous. Psalm 66 verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Cherish, regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So the question is, how do I deal with this? Let me tell you a way in the Bible. I found that to be the best way. I'll give you one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Luke 5, verse 4 to 8. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, when he had stopped speaking, 
He said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came, filled both the boats, so they began to sink. In verse 8, when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Go to Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. What did you understand from two of these things? One is a prophet. The other is an apostle. They realized their sinfulness when they had an encounter with God. And both of them, it was dealt with. They were not running from God. They were running towards God. They had a real encounter with God and they are aware of their sinfulness. Because what is that stops our intimacy with God? Only one thing. Sin. Now, what is the remedy to sin? Have an encounter with God. Have a daily encounter with God. That's just what the psalmist says in Psalm 19 and verse 12 and 13. Don't presume and assume even about your sins. What does he say? Who can understand his errors? He says, not me. I don't understand my errors because I think I'm good. But he says, but you understand my errors. Clean me, cleanse me from secret Unless you go to God, you will not even know your errors. It is like the student who brings to the examiner his answer paper and sir, you did not give him marks. You will ask him, shall I mark it with red ink? No, sir, it is right, really. Student thinks my paper is perfect. The examiner says, it is not. That's what he's saying. Can we go to God? Be brutally honest like David, bold like David. Lord, who can understand his errors? Because every person is like a man who looks into the mirror, looks at his family back and sees a six pack. He never sees anything wrong in the mirror. I'm good, I'm cool. And he's gone. You think you're okay in your relationship with God? And David says, I'm not okay. There are secret things in my life I don't know about, which you know, which is hindering my relationship with you. Would you deal with that? Would you please deal with that? This is a man who hungers and longs for a relationship with God. Do you have the courage to go home today and ask your spouse or your father or your mother, what is about me that upsets you? I know what about you that upsets me, but what is about me that upsets you? 
Because I don't think there's anything wrong in our relationship. And you will have a revelation. I will reveal to you a secret false. And he or she will keep you from presumptuous sins. <laughs> don't presume everything is okay between the two of us. Don't presume. Don't assume, honey. There are lots of issues we need to deal with. Can we sit down and talk? I remember a great man of God talking about. He said, this man and his wife are come and they're talking about an issue. The issue is not really so big, but the issue is continuing. So he looked at this couple and he said, your issue is not actually so big. What is the issue in dealing with it? And the man says, the issue is not big. The problem is by the time the issue comes to me, she has already talked to five men and she's asking for my opinion. I am not the one she asked first. Therefore, I don't want to deal with any of her issues. Either I am a husband or I am not. The pastor said, really? That's a big issue. That's a big issue. You see the marriage is almost at the verge of breakdown over small, 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 small things. But you know what? Whenever an issue comes, the first one she checks with the baker, the candlestick maker, and not her husband. And then finally when she comes to her husband, what are you asking for? My opinion? You need to realize. You may think there are no issues in our life. That itself may be an issue. But the fact that you have no issues in your life means there is no intimacy. You are like the parallel tracks of a railway line. Going together, but not in the same direction, but not together. Don't assume. Don't assume. Children, don't assume. Elijah was a man of prayer. Of like passions like this. He prayed, it did not rain. He prayed, it rained. And he stood before Ahab and he said, I'm the one who stands in the presence of the God. There will be no rain, no dew until the world. We'll say, wow, this man has no issues at all. God says, you think so? First you go stay in Cherith. Then you go to Zarephath. Do you know what Cherith means? Cutting away. Do you know what Zarephath means? Refining. This man needs a lot of cutting away and refining before I can really use him. You think he has no issues to deal with? He says he's got lots of issues to deal with. When you are in certain situations in your life, you need to realize God is dealing with issues in your life so that he can intimately talk to you. Talk to you. Talk to you. Because if you don't focus on what Jesus focused on, Father, read those three chapters of Jesus Christ towards the end. My Father, my prayer is that they will be one as we are one. You in me, I in you, I in them, they in us. What's all about? What's it all about? Think, think. Think. Then, 
Joshua 1.6. What is it that? Be strong and of good courage. You need courage in relationships. Sometimes you need to look in the eye and say, I got an issue. But you're always afraid if I deal with this issue, person will leave. Most relationships are not based on truth. They are based on compromise. Because they are afraid to tackle the real issues. So they never really have genuine relationships in life because they are afraid. They are afraid. God is not afraid to deal with issues because he loves And he's not come here to condemn. He's come here to save. So he will look, send Nathan, send to David, look him in the eye and says, you are that man. Who is that man? You are that man. Dealt with the issue. And he needed a man like Nathan who would not be afraid to go to the king and confront him. And God knew David that he could be confronted. He would not react like other men. Are you afraid? Fear cripples. Fear cripples. Deal with fear of man. Deal with fear of loss. Deal with all these fears. Because you know what? If you don't deal with fears, you will assume a relationship which you don't really have. In Romans 8 and verse 31, there's an interesting verse. Powerful. Read it together while I drink. Take a sip. If, don't presume. Don't presume. If, we all quote this, when God says, I didn't, I said if. You swallowed if and said, God is for us. No, I didn't say God is for us. I said, if God is for us. The odds are against us. We cannot fight this battle. We are outnumbered in everything. We are outnumbered in numbers. We are outnumbered in money. We are outnumbered in power. We are outnumbered in influence. We are outnumbered in talents. We are outnumbered in the world by everything. The odds are against us. Therefore, if God is not for us, we are done. Don't assume. Don't presume. Be sure God is for you. Joshua chapter 5, 13 to 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man said, No. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Are you for them or are you for us? Neither. I don't take sides. You choose whose side you are in. Don't assume. Don't assume. Oh, I am the child of God. I will be blessed. He says, the fellow next door, Hindu, the Muslim on the right, will get blessed because they obey my commands though they don't know me. You are a rebel from birth. And I am trying to save you from that day. 
donation. Donation. Don't presume. Make sure. What does my Lord say to his servant? What did he say? The Lord, the commander of the Lord's army, that is Jesus Christ, said to Joshua, take your sandals off. Do you want me to speak to you? Do you want me to speak to you? First, take your thinking cap off and put it away. That gray matter, that Harvard brains, put it away. Harvard is meant for the graveyard. Put it away. Don't tell me what to do. I will tell you what to do. But first thing you have to do is take your sandals off. Why? Because when I go into the world, the first thing that my body touches is my feet. It's my feet. It's my feet that takes away. It's my feet that brings away. So the sandals represents the influence of the world in you. He says, take your sandals off. Put your ideas, your degrees, put it all away. Put it all away. Then I will speak to you. Because what I say to you will not make any sense of any degree you have achieved on earth. Because when you look, you see this city shut in. Nobody can go out. Nobody can come in. The walls are so huge. The men are men of war. And I'm going to tell you something which if you don't take your sandals away, you will not able to believe and receive. I've already given the city into your hands. And this is what you have to do. Six days you will march once. Seventh day you will march six times. Then you will blow the trumpet. The people will shout and the walls will fall without you having to do anything. Can you believe? Take your sandals off. Go to school. Go to college. Get a degree. Work hard. But when it comes to God, put it all away. You want a relationship with God? Put it all away. Because what he says will not make any sense. 200 denarii will not give them a mouthful. 5,000 men, women and children beside, you will not understand. Give it to me and make them sit down. Who will make them sit down? You will make them sit down. But Lord, but Lord, if you sit them down, you have to feed them. And I counted, there was only five loaves and two fish. You know how the church began? We had nothing. We didn't even have a hall. The first Sunday after they met in my house, we said, we need to look for a hall because the people are there. The Lord told me, you will not go out and look for a hall. The hall will come to you. You want to believe something crazy like that? Monday is over. Tuesday is over. Wednesday is over. Thursday there is a call. There is a hall in Abbots. Then I go. And the lady comes. She thought it was just for a meeting. I said, we don't have money. We don't have chairs. We don't have a table. 
we don't have anything and this is she said oh okay you just have to give me 1200 i said every sunday she said oh you need it for every sunday i said yeah every sunday oh then you just have to give me 1000 rupees oh you have no chairs oh i have 40 chairs you have no table you can use my table that's how we began we had nothing and what did he say record your messages we have even started a web page you didn't tell me that he said just record your messages then when you're going for the first sunday service in a hall he says you will not take an offering oh crazy stuff you say lord please lord you will teach them how not to give then he said make a website don't put your pictures no pictures no website till today no pictures you are just a voice i am the face you are not the face would you believe till last week they were asking podcast podcast sami absent because we have 15000 plus people on podcast we were not on youtube we were on podcast did we ever do advertising never did advertising not a pamphlet we printed no picture of pastor and wife hands going nothing we did never did anything then youtube came only because of lockdown did i ask you for money ever ask you for any church as a building project put money in this 14 years did i ever ask you for money i actually told you not to put your money if you are not right with god in 15 years the only time i asked for an extra offering was when a senior pastor was very ill and he had to go through dialysis i said put your money oh we have a special needs home we have a home for other people did i ask you for money in this 14 years ever did we run two orphanages which most churches don't do at all put your money did i ever ask you once for money never asked the church rent is so much do you till today know what is the rent of this church you don't know till today you do not know and i have never told you i have never asked because the things which he tells you is difficult to understand in retrospective effect when you look back you will be able to truly say this was the lord's doing and it is beautiful in my house in my eyes because when he tells you something you don't understand you don't understand these things at all but you obey why because you took that worldly thinking came off and you are standing on holy ground on bare feet your word i don't understand like mary said i don't understand let it be unto me according to your word you said i go are you getting pictures this is how the kingdom of god works and this is true for everybody individual any church any church it is the same it doesn't change for every church god has that one for format because first pastor he was called to shepherd a people was pastor moses god said take this stick take the people out if i am sending you i am with you i will give you rest whatever is needed i will add on the way you don't worry about that's not your problem you have one problem to hear me out that's your issue listen to me do it rest is in my hands 
And every time you listen to me and don't do what I tell you, it will be judgment. I told you to speak to the rock. You hit the rock. I'll take care of the people, but I will judge you because you didn't listen carefully. Listen carefully. Learn to talk to God. Learn to wait on God. And don't judge anything before it's time. Because the will of God is unfolding in our lives. Many of the things that are happening, we will not even understand in this life. We'll only understand when we stand before him and realize, now I see, now I see, now I see, now I see. That's what he's talking about. My God who separated me, sanctified me in my mother's womb. But when did he meet this God? When he was 20s, on the road to Damascus, he's met this God. But he realized in retrospective effect, when I did not know God, because my name was already written in the Lamb's book of life, my life was being ordered by this God. Now my life makes sense. It was God who was changing. All the things I thought terrible, all the things I told bad, he was just turning my path so that one day I would meet him and now my life makes sense. That's how it works. That's why the Bible says, understand the will of God. Don't presume. Don't assume. We have a father who speaks to us. Who longs to speak to us when he speaks to us. Life is changed. Above all, you have peace. You have peace. That's what we need. Ultimately, what are we looking for? We are looking for peace. The Bible says, they all ate. They all were satisfied. All were satisfied. Why? Because he went through his friends. What did they see in the beginning? What did they see at the end? Did anybody imagine this would happen? Come, let's go to communion. Can I have the elders, all those who are here today, please come. Sacrifice. 
morning as we have come to the lord's table you know the other word we use for this table is communion that's what it is called communion the end of fellowship is communion christ has become one with his body his body has become one with christ for i received from the lord that i which also delivered to you the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, this morning we come to you. You instituted your table so that we could have this intimacy with you and with one another. that's why you asked us to examine ourselves our relationship with you and our relationship with one another so that we can truly be one with god one in the body he said it's truly a mystery but i am talking about christ and his church this morning i pray as we partake of this we will desire and hunger for true intimacy with Christ in the body of Christ we will not be afraid we will not be ashamed but we will walk in peace and in unity and in power and in strength towards that end oh lord I pray you would bless this morning's communion. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. When the bread and the elements come to you, please hold it in your hands. We shall take off it together. So this morning as we come to the end of the service. When I ask you to ask yourself a couple of questions. How is your relationship with God? And how is your relationship with the body of Christ? The vertical and the horizontal of the cross. And he came to make peace that man could walk with God again and brothers could live in unity again. So this morning as we stand before God no you you can sit it's good except for me you are all bare feet but are you really bare feet even as you heard the word today what were the arguments in your mind 
that had no foundation in the word of God or in the spirit of God. Are you truly standing before God bare feet? Nothing of the world. No ideas, ideologies. Instead of but God, you are saying, but it can be also this way. Are we truly standing on bare ground? The new covenant is deeper than the old covenant. In the old covenant, God told them, you are standing on holy ground. If you want to hear from me, whether it was Moses or Joshua, he told them, take off your sandals. And they heard from God. But in the old covenant, you hear the letter. In the new covenant, we receive the spirit. The spirit is deeper, much deeper than the letter. Because the letter brings death. The spirit brings life. Do you know what Jesus did at the end of his life? The Bible said he wrapped a towel around his waist and he started washing the feet of his disciples. You can go there. I gave you the portion in John chapter 13 verses 6 to 11. He came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, uh, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. We just not need to take our thinking cap off, our Gucci shoes and Harvard brains, put it off. But we need to allow him to wash our feet with the word of God. Allow him to wash us daily, constantly. Otherwise we will have no part of him. Remember that. But remember, there was one in his midst. He had heard the word for three and a half years. To the others, Jesus said, you are clean because of the word. He heard the word. He was still dirty. His feet was washed by the very hands of Jesus, but his mind was still filthy. Because he was offended and he was planning to betray him. That's why Jesus said in the beginning of his ministry, blessed are those who are not offended. Because offended ones, if they don't deal with the offense, they will betray the very ones who wash their feet. Remember that. This is all got to do with intimacy. This is all got to do with relationship. Because in that one, there was one who walked with Jesus. It was never close to Jesus. Though Jesus was close to him, he was never close to him. Understand that? Because when he came to betray Jesus, do you know what he called Judas? My friend. Jesus wants to be friendly with everybody. The question is, do we want to deal with the issues of our heart so that we can be his friend? 
Remember these things. These are important things. Because like I said in the beginning, in the twinkling of an eye, whether death or rapture takes place and you are saved, the only thing that will matter there is, how well did I know God? Because that's where you take off. That's where you're going to start off. So keep these things in your mind. Build on your relationship with God and don't assume any relationship on earth. Work on the relationship that matter. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. Because if you don't listen, we will drift away. Final words for today. Then we will pray. Luke 69 and verse 16. Luke 9. I didn't give over there. Dr. Luke is sitting next. But Luke 9 and verse 16. Luke 9 and verse 16. All four Gospels have it. But Luke 9, 16 is slightly different. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. When you give or I give our little or our lives into his hands, he takes it. He doesn't say it is too little. He doesn't say it is dirty. He doesn't say it's uneducated. He doesn't say it is poor. He doesn't say anything. He takes it. And he lifts it up to heaven. I lift my eyes. Where? To the hills. Whenever you are facing a situation, learn to look first up. Moses' problem was he looked to the right. He looked to the left. He didn't look up. He didn't look up. The first direction spiritually you look is up. Not to the right or to the left. Look up. Whenever you face a situation, don't run to man. Run to God first. Look up. When Jesus was facing a situation, and it's a crisis situation in our terms, five loaves, two fish, 10,000 plus people probably, and he looks up. The Bible says, he blessed it. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. He blessed it. Two words are used. He blessed it and he gave thanks. When you and I put our little into his hands, he will not say, what is the point? It is too little. He will say, thank you, Father. One more life surrender to you. One more life. Thank you, Father. I know who you are. I know you are able to do with little. I know what you are able to do. He takes it with thanksgiving and he blesses it. I know I have preached this before, long time ago. That is where people stop. They go, don't go to the next step, the most important step. He breaks it. There are two kinds of people in the kingdom of God. Those who are blessed and used. Those who are blessed, broken and used. All the overcomers will be those who have been blessed and broken and used. If you are only blessed, you can only be used for a season. If you are broken, you will be used till the end of your life. You look at the broken people in the heaven. They were used till their last breath. They were used till the last breath. Jacob was a broken man 
and is able to say the blessings of your father has overshot the blessings of your father and your grandfather he was used till his last breath he rose up in his deathbed blessed his children and then he gave up his ghost moses was a blessed and a broken man and god personally took him up the mountain and said see the land this is the land your descendants till his last moment he was seeing the future of the nation he had brought out david was a blessed and a broken man therefore even in his deathbed in his last days when a son was trying to usurp the throne he rose up and saw the throne went to the son picked by god and not picked by man and he picked set everything for the temple not only that he received the blueprint for the temple and told the son i have done all the hard work you just build was a man who filled heard and finished his race till the very end every one of them don't look for blessing alone when you're going through circumstances what god is trying to do is he's trying to break you he's trying to break you but let me tell you when he breaks you when he breaks you not a peace will be lost not a piece will be lost sometimes people don't understand the lessons when they were all eaten and finished you know what he said pick up the fragments suddenly the apostles have a final commission 12 apostles with 12 baskets full of fragments do you know what he said you may not even remember it says even if you give a cup to a prophet in my name you will not miss your reward in heaven every fragment of your life which you did because of me will be remembered there maybe forgotten here maybe you yourself have forgotten it will not be forgotten there every fragment of our life that is done by god through god for god is being picked up and written down by the angels that's where the bible says books were opened books were opened every detail will be there or what god has done through broken people because he says there is no waste whatever you do have done in my name for my glory it's not a waste it has eternal value keep these things in mind build your lives on this truth shall we stand father this morning you are here in our midst another month is here the second half of the year is here but you are here truly like you told joshua we haven't gone this way before but you have gone this way before you're already gone all these ways all these days you have traversed the end of the year already you have seen the end from the beginning therefore this morning we say our eyes are on you on you lord all we praise lord first and foremost touch our ears that we may hear your voice touch our eyes that we may see understand perceive as you see above all even when we don't understand help us to obey for you said blessed are those who believe without seeing because of who you are we don't have to see we just have to believe 
Because you are the faithful and the true one. God who loves man. The Lord who laid down his life for me, for us. How can we not trust you? And I pray, Father, we will learn. This is not an emotional thing. It's a spiritual determination. We will learn to build on our relationships. So that one day you can say, that was a man after my own heart. She was a woman after my own heart. That child was after my own heart. Relationship with you and with one another. And above all, help us to walk without offense. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Go with us, go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.